Hi, I'm Jeff Hendrickson, and welcome to the Sage Warrior Gentleman Podcast, where we explore the three facets of the modern mature man and discuss leadership, chivalry, and style so that you can continue to bring your best to the world. Through interviews with men from all walks of life, some I've known and worked with in various industries over the years, you'll learn some valuable lessons about modern men and their struggles and triumphs. All right, so welcome back. Jeff here. And yes, indeed, I missed yesterday. I did. I saw my notification pop up a couple of different times, but I was in the middle of some stuff that I just couldn't stop. And then I got invited to go have, uh, yes, social distancing, dinner with some friends, and uh, had a great time with them last night. It was good to get to get caught up with them. And so, Unfortunately, five-minute philosophy got lost yesterday, so I will make it up to you today, and we'll do uh, two back-to-back episodes. So this will be 10 minutes today of five-minute philosophy, and we're going to stay in the Eastern philosophy. Once again, we are in philosophybasics.com if you care to go over and check them out and kind of follow along with what I've been reading. So we will get started into Chinese. We'll get into Chinese for probably the first five minutes, and then I will skip over to Korean. All right, so here is the introduction to Chinese. Chinese philosophy refers to any of several schools of philosophical thought in the Chinese tradition, including Confucianism, Taoism, Legalism, Buddhism, and Mohism. It has a long history of several thousand years. All right, so the history of Chinese philosophy. It is known that early Shang Dynasty, circa 1600 BC to 1046 BC, thought was based on cyclicity from observation of the cycles of days and night, the seasons, the moon, etc., a concept which remained relevant throughout later Chinese philosophy and immediately setting it apart from the more linear Western approach. During this time, both gods and ancestors were worshipped and there were human and animal sacrifices. During the succeeding Zhao dynasty, and I'll spell that, that's Z-H-O-U, in case I've mispronounced that, 1122 BC to 256 BC, the concept of the mandate of heaven was introduced, which held that heaven would bless the authority of a just ruler, but would be displeased with an unwise ruler and retract the mandate. The I Ching, or Book of Changes, was traditionally compiled by the mythical figure Fu Ji in the 28th century BC, although modern research suggests that it more likely dates to the late 9th century. Big difference there between the 28th century and the 9th century. Okay. So the text describes an ancient system of cosmology and philosophy that is intrinsic to ancient Chinese cultural beliefs, centering on the ideas of the dynamic balance of opposites, the evolution of events as a process, and acceptance of the inevitability of change. It consists of a series of symbols, rules for manipulating these symbols, poems and commentary, and it's sometimes regarded as a system of divination. I'm going to break from the text for just a minute because of the one thing I read there, the acceptance of the inevitability of change. And what I will tell you is that a couple of years ago, I actually started to write a paper entitled The Practical Philosophy of Change. And I actually started thinking about that this morning as I was trying to determine how I was going to make it up to you for missing yesterday. I started thinking maybe I would delve into my own thoughts on philosophy. And now this 
has me thinking down that path a little bit more. So let's, let's, we'll see what I come up with that. All right, so continuing on. In about 500 BC, interestingly around the same time as Greek philosophy was emerging, the classic period of Chinese philosophy known as the contention of a hundred schools of thought flourished and the foremost influential schools, Confucianism, Taoism, Mohism, and legalism were established. During the Qin Dynasty, also known as the Imperial Era, after the unification of China in 221 BC, legalism became ascendant at the expense of the Mohist and Confucianist schools, although the Han Dynasty, 206 BC to AD 220, adopted Taoism and later Confucianism as official doctrine. Along with the gradual parallel introduction of Buddhism, these two schools have remained the determining forces of Chinese thought up until the 20th century. Neo-Confucianism, a variant of Confucianism incorporating elements of Buddhism, Taoism, and legalism, was in introduced during the Song Dynasty, AD 960 to 1279, and popularized during the Ming Dynasty, 1368 to 1644. During the industrial and modern ages, Chinese philosophy also began to integrate concepts of Western philosophy. Sun Yat-sen, 1866 to 1925, attempted to incorporate elements of democracy, republicanism, and industrialism at the beginning of the 20th century, while Mao Zedong, 1893 to 1976, later added Marxism, Stalinism, and other communist thought. During the Cultural Revolution of 1966 to 1976, most previous schools of thought, with the notable exception of legalism, were denounced as backward and purged, although their influence has remained. All right, so now we're a little bit past the five-minute mark, so let's jump over to Korean philosophy and see what this has to say. Korean philosophy has been influenced by a number of religious and philosophical thought systems over the years, including shamanism, Buddhism, Confucianism, and Taoism. You know, history and major schools. Native shamanism developed in Korea for millennia, although the traditional rites and shamanistic practices were later deeply influenced by Buddhism and Taoism. In Korea, a shaman is known as a mudang, that's M-U-D-A-N-G, and she, it is usually a woman, seeks to solve human problems through a connection to the spirit world. Korean shamanism held three spirits in especially high regard. Sanshin, the mountain spirit, Toksong, the recluse, and Chilsong, the spirit of the seven stars, which is the Big Dipper. Buddhism arrived in Korea from China during the Three Kingdoms period, 57 BC to AD 668, specifically in the year AD 372. Korean Buddhism accepted and absorbed many shamanistic spirits, and early schools like Samnon, Gyayul, and Yulban attempted to develop a new holistic approach to Buddhism in order to resolve what it saw as internal inconsistencies in Chinese Mahayana Buddhism. Soon, Wanyong, later known as Huayyom, uh, that is spelled H-W-A-E-O-M, became the dominant school, and then, in the 7th and 8th century and after, 
the meditation-based Sion school finally gained the upper hand. Sion is a version of the Chinese Chan or Japanese Zen Buddhism, and it developed in Korea particularly under the direction of Jinul. 1158 to 1210, the most important figure in Sion. Buddhism in Korea initially enjoyed wide acceptance, even being supported as the state ideology during the Goryeo dynasty, also known as Koryo, 918 to 1392, but it suffered extreme repression during the long Joseon dynasty, or Chosun, 1392 to 1910 when Neo-Confucianism became dominant. Confucianism was the second major intellectual import from China during the Three Kingdoms period, alongside Buddhism, although the exact date of its introduction is not clear. Korean Confucianism was and remains a fundamental part of Korean society, shaping the moral system, the way of life, social relations between old and young, high culture, and is the basis for much of the Korean legal system. During the Joseon dynasty, Korean Fusionism, or arguably Neo-Confucianism, was the primary system of belief amongst the scholarly and military classes. Korean Confucian schools were built, and there were even greater encouragement of Confucian ideas and ideals such as Chong, loyalty, Hyo, filial piety, In, benevolence, and Sin, trust. Confucianism in Joseon Korea flourished most notably in the 16th century under the guidance of the country's two most prominent Confucian scholars, Yi Huang, um, and in parentheses it has it spelled a different way or a different name, uh, T-O-E-G-Y-E, 1501 to 1570, and Yi E, or, or Yulgok, 1536 to 1584. So there you go. There's your double dose for you today. Again, apologies for missing yesterday. Um, I will I will try to do better as we keep moving forward. But there you have it. Uh, a little bit about Chinese and a little bit about Korean philosophies today. I'm your pal Jeff. Thank you very much for being a listener. And uh, I'll see you again a little bit later. So thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast. And remember that you can join us and get a free guide over at sagewarriorgentleman.com. We'd love to have you join our conversation and please help us spread the word if you feel this could help someone you know and care about.